May the words I speak and the words we hear be your words of life to us, our God. Amen. Poor old James and John, they thought they understood what was happening. They thought they understood what God was doing in this person, Jesus. They thought they knew what God was up to with Jesus. They thought they understood God. Jesus was the Holy One from God. He had healed many of all that sought to bring death. He was a teacher with words of life. He inspired and offered hope to so many. He had shown power over the natural world and over the world of spirits. And now he was off to Jerusalem. There was an expectation of hope. Clearly, God was with him. And when God was with you, despite what Job said, you were blessed with success. They were not sure about what was to happen, but they hoped. They didn't really understand why Jesus kept trying to teach them and he was to be betrayed and crucified. That made no sense to them. That was their worst nightmare. There was no hope in that, just more death. What on earth could God be possibly doing in that kind of mixed up story? What kind of God would even do that? They knew God to be all powerful. Every year in the Passover, they celebrated God defeating the power of Egypt, the enslaving empire of those times. And they remembered how they were saved from death with the blood of a lamb, the death that took the firstborn male of each Egyptian family and their livestock. And they remembered how they were liberated, freed from their lives of slavery. This God was at work in Jesus. They were sure their longing to be freed from the enslaving powers of their day was about to come true. They hoped for an end to Rome's rule and the corruption of the leading Judean families. In Jesus, God would fulfill the ancient promises and liberate them now as God had done so long ago. And James and John wanted front row seats to all of that. They wanted front row seats to the power and the honour. Now, this may seem a little outrageous to us, but their first loyalty was to Jesus and their second loyalty wasn't to the other disciples It was to their family. And as brothers, they sought the best opportunities for each other and their family name. They didn't understand anything that Jesus had been talking about when he talked about crucifixion. That simply made no sense to them. They needed to get this mission back on track. So they asked to be at Jesus' left and right side, the places of power and honor. And they would join Jesus in ending poverty and getting rid of Rome's crippling taxes, and freeing slaves, and allowing all to thrive in the new kingdom of God. And they would be at the center of it. Jesus, as God's anointed, would bring in an era when the people of God would live once again in safety, and thrive in right relationship with God and each other. Poor old James and John. They were so close but the old ways of thinking blinded them to Jesus and to what God was up to in him.
Bach's gospel was written during or just after the horrors of the failed Jewish rebellion, with so many dead and enslaved in Jerusalem and the temple left in ruins. Mark knew that these old expectations were not what God was up to in Jesus, because either Jesus was a failed Messiah, and there were many others like that, or God was up to something entirely different. The disciples, including Peter and James and John, were so slow to get that and to understand, and they were not alone. God was offering something entirely unexpected in Jesus. Yes, God was offering liberation, but not in the way they were looking for. Just like the Exodus story, the liberation was more than liberation from slavery. In the Exodus, the Hebrew people had been slaves under Egyptian masters who determined how they lived as slaves. The Egyptian God shaped their understanding of the divine. Egyptian law shaped their understanding of justice. And Egyptian society shaped their understanding of how communities worked. In the Exodus, the Hebrew people spent 40 years in the wilderness as the God of Abraham liberated them into life with God in their midst. They were liberated from all these things and offered radically different ways of relating to the divine to the way they shaped their society and living in God's justice. But the old ways of empire that they had learned in Egypt slowly returned until finally they pleaded for a king to rule over them and enslave them once again. This was not what God desired for them or for creation. The covenants were God's promise to restore Israel to be the people God desired so that through them all humanity could be restored and creation renewed so that all might thrive in right relationship with God, with each other, and all of creation. The book of Job invites them to let go of their certainties and to let God be God on God's own terms. It was a call back to the God of the Exodus. So what was God up to in Jesus? Well, in Mark's gospel, God was offering liberation from seeking liberation through the old ways of military power, honor, wealth, and the ways of empire. More than that, God was offering liberation from seeing God as other people saw their gods, as some kind of imperial potentate. As they had learned in Egypt, God was too often seen as a more magnificent version of, well, a Persian emperor or a Roman emperor or powerful, ruling justly and crushing those who defied them. Mark knew this liberation. And so he offers us his gospel so that we would see what James and John struggled to see. That Jesus is like God and God is like Jesus. As he says to the disciples this week, Jesus lived and taught that he came to serve, not to be served. If Jesus is like God and God is like Jesus, then God isn't the one to be served, but is the servant. In Jesus, 
God is teaching us about God being the servant. Jesus taught and lived that his way was through humiliation of the humiliation of the cross, where he would hang powerless. This was not to meet the demands of God, but was the price exacted by the powers of death for living God's justice and peace. It was to show us the nature of God. If Jesus is like God and God is like Jesus, then God is powerless, willing to pay the price so that we might live out God's justice and peace too. Mark began his gospel by saying, now is the time. Here comes God's kingdom. Let that blow your mind and change your hearts and lives and trust this good news. God the servant, God powerless, that is mind-blowing. He tells the story of the beginning of this good news, a story that continues on through to today. We are part of this story, the story of the kingdom of God, this mind-blowing kingdom of God. Despite the carnage in Israel, despite the growing persecution, Mark knew God as the powerless servant offering justice and peace. Mark knew that God's kingdom was and is coming now, blowing our minds. But this is a hard liberation. It's proved hard to hang on to. James and John struggled with it. Peter struggled with it. The church has struggled with it ever since. Too often, God has been pictured as a more magnificent version of the most powerful figures around at their time. Because isn't God all-powerful? And while we might gently smile at James and John, too often we ask for exactly the same thing without even knowing it. And the result is Jesus gets turned into the one who comes to rescue us from the wrath of the divine potentate. God, and he becomes a sacrificial lamb dying in our place. And we miss that the blood and the exodus was not a sacrifice, but the means by which the people of God are rescued from death. And as a result, being a Christian is too often described in terms of being a servant of this all-powerful God, doing the will of this God at the risk of punishment when we go astray. We have been like James and John again and again and again. We have accepted slavery to old ways instead of embracing the liberation offered in Jesus. So I wonder, in what ways are we like James and John? What do we need to let God that allows us to let go, to let God be God on God's own terms? Which takes us back to the questions that are at the heart of the Gospels, the heart of Mark, and, well, just to sneak Hebrews in, at the heart of Hebrews as well. What do you think God was up to in Jesus? And what does this say about who God is for you? And what does that mean 
for how we live in our own dark and troubled times. So let's just pause for a moment. Um, If we were in church, I'd get you all to talk to each other, but I'm not going to get you to do that. I'm just going to invite us to sit and to reflect on those questions. What do you think God was up to in Jesus? What does this say about your understanding of God? And what does all this mean for how we live our in our own dark and troubled times?